On this week's episode of Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast, Tesla held its annual shareholder meeting at Giga Texas, and I've got highlights and analysis from Elon Musk's presentation along with the Q&A. Tesla's CEO gave a Cybertruck pricing update. There's new Gigafactory news and more. What's happening, friends? Ryan McCaffrey here with you for episode 366 of Ride the Lightning, the weekly Tesla unofficial podcast. This one for August 7th, 2022. Good to be back with my boxer, Daisy the Boxer, alongside me as usual as I record here on Friday night. Well, I am happy to be back. I had a wonderful vacation with my family. I'm very grateful to have been able to take the time away just from everything, from, from my full-time job and from the podcast. I mean, I love doing the podcast, but it's just nice to have a break and not think about it for a little while. Uh, I will say I appreciate the kind notes that a lot of you sent me about the interview from last week's episode with former Tesla engineer Nicholas Johnson. I'm very happy to hear that a lot of you enjoyed that. It is back to business this week, however, although it is kind of a sort of special episode in that it's not just a regular run through of weekly Tesla news because really all of the news was within the annual shareholder meeting that I will be recapping here in a moment. Uh, I wanna remind you as well that in the next week or two, I just have to figure out when the best time to drop it. I've got that interview I recorded just before my vacation with Unplugged Performances co-founder Ben Schaefer. We had a wonderful conversation covering a lot of ground, so I'll look forward to that in the next week or two. Also, one other quick programming note, I hope, well, actually, it's not a programming note, it's a community note. I hope everybody who, by the time you've listened to this, who attended the Tesla Takeover event in San Luis Obispo, California, hope all of you had a great time. A lot of you reached out to ask, oh, are you going to be there, Ryan? And unfortunately, I was not able to make it because I returned home from my family trip just right before the event. So it just didn't work out that I could make it down there this year, hopefully next year. But for you East Coast and specifically Gulf Coast friends out there, I have uh, been very generously invited to be a featured speaker at TeslaCon Florida in Cape Canaveral coming up on October 21st and 22nd. So I hope to get to meet many of you there. If you'd like more information about that, you can find it at teslaownersflorida.org slash events. Now, before I get started with the shareholder meeting highlights and analysis, a little birdie from Tesla dropped something into my lap that I think will be of interest to those of you who either have a Model Y on order already or plan to buy one. And that little tidbit is this. Fremont-built Model Ys are now shipping with the wraparound dashboard, just as the Shanghai-built Model Ys have been doing for quite some time now. And if you're not familiar with that, basically what it is, it's a revised, slightly revised interior look where the dashboard trim, which for the black interior is the natural wood grain look, and for the white interior, it's a smooth white ceramic look, where that dashboard trim basically extends around to kind of wrap around the driver a little bit. It extends onto the front door panels a bit 
uh, on both sides. Now that same little birdie also tells me that Texas built model wise will also change over to that door panel in the coming weeks. Now you won't actually see this change reflected in the design studio for a little while. I'm told probably, and this is now my own speculation, probably until 100% of all of the old door panel inventory has been exhausted. But uh, again, I know a lot of you are getting Model Ys out there and will be interested to hear that little that little note about what your car is going to look like. Because that's, you know, you're going to be looking at that for a long time. Every time you get in the car, uh, you will see those that interior, that front interior trim. So if you're not familiar with how this looks, if you're if this is still like not registering for you, if you've never seen it before, just Google image search Model Y new door panel and it will come right up for you. Uh, one last thing before I get to the shareholder meeting. And speaking of the Model Y, I just wanted to say congratulations to my Australian listeners because Model Y deliveries have begun there. And I know that some of you are eagerly awaiting your car the day is finally approaching. I'm super excited for all of you that are about to have your delivery day. And the same goes for those of you with orders for the new S and new X plaid, either one S plaid, X plaid. Those are finally coming to Europe starting in December. So more good news for those of you that have been waiting uh, in that case for the new S and the X, a long, long time for a lot of you that have had orders in for uh, well, for about a year and a half, and it'll end up being close to two years, which is a heck of a long time to wait. But the good news is that wait is going to be worth it. All right. The time is come for the annual shareholder meeting recap. It was held at Giga Texas this past week. Now, most of the shareholder measures did not pass, but the big one from Tesla itself that was proposed that probably affects more of you directly than any of the other shareholder proposals or Tesla proposals is of course the three to one stock split that did pass. And August 25th is the day on which Tesla will begin trading with those additional shares. So those extra shares will be distributed after market close on the 24th. Indeed, the first, the entire first half of the shareholder meeting was spent on shareholder business, like listening to the shareholder proposals. And we got a brief recap of the year from Robin Denholm, who is Tesla's chairwoman of the board. The second half is what I want to focus on here on this episode. That was Elon Musk's presentation on the state of the company, which was followed by questions for him that were both upvoted by shareholders ahead of time online, and then that it concluded with an anything goes Q&A from the people in the room. I have trimmed the fat for you as I always do. I've got clips of all of the bits that I found most interesting or enlightening. So let's get started with Elon Musk talking about the production run rate of where we are now and where Tesla is heading by the end of 2022. Uh, anyway, uh, thanks to the, the hard work of the Tesla team, we've already been able to achieve a one and a half million unit annualized run rate. Um, and depending on how the, the rest of this year goes, we, I think we might get close to, or we'll get approximately uh, at, at the one and a half million mark. Um, 
and, and be exiting the year at a, a 2 million unit run rate. And, um, and then also worth noting, uh, just recently in the last uh, a few weeks, we made our 3 millionth car. Well, we just heard about the 3 millionth car being made as well as the projection of exiting 22 at an annual run rate of 2 million cars. But to me, the news here in that little soundbite is that first bit. The Tesla is on track for 1.5 million cars this year. Now, two episodes ago, after this came up on the earnings call, we didn't get a target number specifically. I had said, I had surmised that 1.3 to 1.5 million was what it seemed like Tesla was trending towards based on the contextual clues that we were given from that call. And I am very glad to hear that Elon say uh, said that they're looking at landing on the higher end of that. Now, the next clip I'm going to play for you is a tailor-made Ryan McCaffrey clip because it's Elon doing what I love to do, which is pull back and give one of my patented 10,000-foot view looks at what the company has accomplished over the last decade. Take a listen to this. It's pretty wild to think, like, uh, 10 years ago, where things were, you know? Uh, 10 years, August uh, 2012, um, we'd, uh, we'd made 2,500 roadsters, and I think maybe... Uh, couple of hundred Model S's-ish, <laughs> but less than 3,000 cars. So 10 years ago, we'd made less than, than 3,000 cars. And uh, here we stand 10 years later, having made over 3 million. That is really cool. At least I think so. I mean, that's the kind of context that I personally really appreciate. And the reason for that is because it puts into perspective just how much of a once-in-a-lifetime company this is. I think we all know that. I mean, you're listening to a Tesla enthusiast podcast. You're a Tesla enthusiast yourself. You know this, but to, to hear it just put into that kind of context, that kind of perspective, it really is crazy. I mean, there isn't a single other, not one, there's not a single other new car company that can claim anything even close to what Tesla has achieved. Because... All of them except the newest ones are dead, and none of them, past or present, have yet to pull off anything remotely like this, And in, in the case of the dead ones, when they were alive. There were, like, for a bit of context, just from my own personal history, you guys know I had a DeLorean. I'm a major DeLorean fan. I'm a student of the DeLorean Motor Company and its history. So DeLorean had a plan to become a car maker with a full lineup. They weren't just going to make a sports car. They were planning, the next car they were already planning before they went under was a four-seater, codenamed the DMC-24, because the original car is the DMC-12, so there you go. But it was also known as the Medusa. And the reason for that is because it would have had four individual gullwing doors, kind of like the snakes on Medusa's head. And so they would have continued branching out from there, filled out the product lineup. Anyway, DMC ended up making about 9,000 DMC-12s over three calendar years, although most of those were made in the first year, which was 1981, which they didn't even really start production until, I think it was about Mar March, maybe April, were the actual first production DMC-12s. 
before. But anyway, uh, 9,000 DeLoreans got made before DMC went out of business. Bricklin, who those of you that are younger might not even know about Bricklin. That's how, sadly, how much of an afterthought they were. Coincidentally, another gullwing doored dead sports car uh, from a little before DeLorean in the late 70s. They didn't even make anywhere close to what DeLorean did. Now, present day, you've got Rivian and Lucid. And let me preface this by saying I am rooting exceptionally hard for both of them because they both seem to have a fantastic product in both cases. They both won Motor Trend Car and Truck of the Year, respectively, or I guess Truck and Car of the Year, respectively, awards. They both seem great, but as of yet, neither of them has even come close to reaching even DeLorean's production, total production number. And Tesla, they were right down in that range 10 years ago, as you just heard Elon say, 3,000 cars after, you know, the, the, near the, the, the late summer at this point, 2012. Now, Tesla's at 3 million, and they're going to keep adding to that at an ever-increasing rate. I mean, honestly, you know, the word amazing in American society has kind of lost its, its edge because it's just thrown around a lot. And I'm, by the way, I'm very guilty of that. I use the word amazing all the time. But to go back to the core definition of amazing... What Tesla has achieved in the last 10 years and cumulatively really is genuinely amazing from any, whether you're looking at it from just a sheer business success story or a, as a car company, it really is incredible. Now, next clip I have for you, Elon starts talking about Tesla's free cash flow from one of his slides, but then gets going on a tangent about FSD that I thought you might want to hear. You can see we, we obviously had uh, some challenges there in 2017, um, and then, uh, but, but since then our free cash flow generation has been, been very good and uh, trending, trending upwards. And, and this is really before uh, autonomy really kicks in. We've had, we have a autonomy to some degree, um, but uh, solving autonomy is... Uh, Will, will really be an amplification of, of free cash flow to a degree that is, you know, you run the numbers and it's like, wow, can it really be that crazy? But it, it could be that crazy. Um, and, um, you know, this, uh, this year, I swear, um, <laughs> um, I, 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 we, we got uh, anyone here uh, in the FSD beta program? Yeah! <laughs> Sweet. Yeah, no, uh, totally, totally, totally. Okay, well, I, I thought, I thought. <laughs> All right. Um, I thought I thought you might ask that. Um, so, because uh, it's ten to thirteen, we've been working on for a while, and. Um, and actually, what's sort of happened is we've we've we've, uh, we've made some pretty significant uh, architectural improvements. Um, so it's really going to be more than a 10.12 to 10.13 release. It, it might I don't want to speak too soon. It might qualify for 10.69. So it's got, it's got to earn that. Obviously, uh, can't just throw that out, you know. Um, but it's it's it's. Um, 
th there's a lot of a lot of improvements, um, and uh, especially in uh, complex uh, left turns. Uh, and <laughs> yeah, we were, we're going to solve Chuck's turn. Yes, yes, 100 percent. Absolutely. Uh, we, you know, we, we have a lot of respect for valid criticism. Uh, so, and uh, yeah, so um, I, 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 I think we're at roughly 90% success rate with, with your turn. So, yeah, we're almost at 100. So, um, so it's, it's looking good. And um, yeah, so I, I mean, I'm hopeful it might, might, it might be a week, next week. <laughs> Uh, so yeah, two weeks. So, um, uh, yeah, uh, it's working well for me. <laughs> um, so uh, yeah. So anyway, team, teams like working literally seven days a week um, and and making uh, ma major improvements, and it's really interesting because we're effectively solving an important aspect of artificial intelligence, uh, real-world uh, AI for self-driving, which, uh, when you think about it, kind of is what, what's needed to solve, solve self-driving. Because how is the road system designed? It's designed for a biological neural net and eyes. And so naturally, the thing that would therefore work the silicon analog is cameras and uh, silicon neural nets. Um, and, and so, sort of, sort of by accident, we're actually solving an important, I think, very useful uh, element of artificial intelligence. And um, we, I definitely want uh, people out there, you know, talented people who are working on AI to consider working at Tesla, because I think we're solving just a very important part of AI, and one that can ultimately save millions of lives and uh, prevent tens of millions of serious injuries. Um, by, by driving just an, an order of magnitude safer than, uh, than, than, than people. Um, and, you know, there used to be a time back in the day where we'd have, yeah, it's, this is super important. Um, so, I mean, there used to be a time when we'd have elevator operators, and it was normal to have elevator operators and have, like, a big relay and stuff. But, you know, every, can't, every now and again you make a mistake and shear somebody in half. So... And I'd be like, oh, okay. Then we went to automated elevators, and you press a button, and you go to your floor, and it just works. Um, and, and that's kind of how it's going to be in the future with cars. I do appreciate that Elon was willing to make fun of himself there with the whole, this year, really, thing that he mentioned. Uh, it did seem like that before I left for my vacation, I was going to have 10.13 in my car by the time I got home, since it had started rolling out to at least some internal cars. The release notes got out there before I left, but it sounds like this release is a big one, and thus we've got a longer wait between builds. I love, by the way, that that Elon gave Chuck Cook another shout-out there. I, I mentioned Chuck uh, one or two episodes back. And by the way, Chuck posted, he uh, just as a side note to, that ties into what Elon was saying there, Chuck actually you know, has continued to spend time at his famous left turn, and he filmed, he managed to get footage of Tesla engineers specifically testing Model Ys on Chuck's left turn, which is pretty cool because they were 
they were uh, model-wise with you know manufacturer plates on them, so they were specifically testing that spot, which is pretty great. Uh, and Elon, by the way, also confirmed my previous interpretation of his comment back on the earnings call, that being that the FSD beta won't be going out automatically to everybody who's paid for FSD by the end of this year, but instead it will effectively open, go into an open beta. So anyone with who has paid for FSD or has a, an, a monthly subscription for FSD will be able to opt into that beta without having to jump through the safety score hoop. So we're not quite ready for just wide release and actually pushing it out to everyone, but we are making progress, it sounds like. And again, I'm really eager to see what 10.13 has got in store for us. Now, the next slide in Elon's presentation was about new non-Tesla EVs finally entering the market, but taking market share from gas-powered cars when doing so, and not Tesla. So, you know, there's a lot of talk of uh, competition among electric vehicles, but really, uh, it's, it's the, the EVs are electric vehicles are taking a market share from gasoline cars. So, yeah. So, the uh, and, and from a Tesla standpoint, we obviously welcome this, and we're, we're very excited to see that uh, the big car companies are embracing electric vehicles. Uh, if you were to re rewind the press releases to five years ago, that was not the case. Uh, they were, you know, say, not saying nice things about electric vehicles five, five years ago. Um, but now, uh, I believe almost every major uh, car company in the world has embraced electri electrification and agrees that it is the right path. And uh, this is really what we set out to do with Tesla. Um, you know, it was not to, like, you know, get maximum market share or anything. It was really try to get the to show the auto industry that it was possible uh, to go electric, and that if you made compelling electric cars, people would buy them. And um, and and that's that's what's happened. And I think that's really profound. See, I think this is another example of putting Tesla's accomplishments in perspective by you guessed it, pulling back to a ten thousand foot high view. And the thing is, what this is saying is. Tesla's plan is working, really actually in the real world working. They set out to make EVs desirable when they started the company back in 2003. That's when Tesla was founded. They didn't get a car out until 2008, but that was always the goal. Make EVs desirable and thus make people buy them and accelerate the transition to sustainable energy. And now, of course, it's taken much longer than I think Tesla or any EV fans thought in order to get the traditional car makers on board with this idea, but it is finally happening and we have finally reached the tipping point that I talked about a couple episodes back. And so Tesla has really been doing it. They made the electric car cool. You know, I've probably said this before, but if I have, it's definitely been a while. So forgive me if I'm repeating myself, but I would really love to see the documentary filmmaker Chris Payne, the guy who made Who Killed the Electric Car and its sequel, Revenge of the Electric Car. Chris, if you're somehow out there, we all deserve, the world deserves a trilogy capping documentary 
and I and may I humbly suggest the name Triumph of the Electric Car. That should be the name of the third movie in that series, the third documentary. Make it about, yes, about Tesla. They're going to have to play a major role in any documentary that were to be called Triumph of the Electric Car. And uh, it would, of course, feature the Model 3 and Model Y pretty heavily. But it should absolutely also focus on how other automakers have finally come on board, too, with cars like the Porsche Taycan, the e-tron GT, Audi e-tron GT, the Mustang Mach-E, the ID4, the EV6, the Ionic 5, etc. So again, Chris, if by some chance you hear this, if somebody that listens to my podcast sends you this clip or by chance you are a listener, this story must be finished. I know we're still still relatively early in the EV movement, but I think we are ready for a new movie. And if you'd like to interview me for it, I'd love to be a part of it. I'd be happy to participate. And uh, on a more serious note, though, both of Chris's documentaries, both of those uh, films, Who Killed the Electric Car and Revenge of the Electric Car, are well worth watching if you haven't seen them. The next clip is about the Model Y. Take a listen to some very good news about the Model Y from Elon. Yeah, so Mo Model Y. Um, uh, you don't want, you know, def definitely don't want to count chickens until they're hatched, but I think we're tracking to have uh, Model Y be the highest uh, selling vehicle by revenue this year and the highest by unit volume next year. Admittedly, we have heard Elon mention this before, but the difference in him saying it now versus when he first mentioned this a year or so ago is that Tesla is now actually on track to pull this off. It is actually happening. The Model Y might be the number one car in the world by revenue this year. Now, the number one car by volume for the third year in a row, last year, was the Toyota Corolla, if Google did not lead me astray, selling about 1.1 million units, but looking up the average sale price for a Corolla, I mean, I already knew generally about what it costs, but it's, uh, you know, roughly you're looking at a third of the price of a Model Y, potentially less if someone's optioning up, uh, you know, doing a performance version, for instance, or adding FSD. But anyway, you know, figure roughly... Every Model Y sold is the equivalent of, of roughly three Corollas selling in terms of revenue. So that is a lot of Model Y uh, in terms of revenue this year. And next year, it might top the Corolla in volume as well. More than 1.1 million Model Y due to be built and delivered next year. Man, I'm so used to being the default Tesla owner here in terms of having a Model 3, like the three here in the, the Tesla bubble here in the San Francisco Bay Area is so common. There are Model 3s everywhere, but the Y is very quickly overtaking it. And, and again, one more time on that 10,000 foot view to go from 3,000 cars ever made in August, by August of 2012 to having the number one selling car in the world by volume and revenue in 2023, if it happens, is one heck of an achievement. Wow. All right, let's talk Gigafactories up next. How many more do we need, Elon Musk? Um, still a lot of work to do. Uh, like these, these factories don't just magically work. Um, so uh, still a lot of work to do. 
uh, in Berlin and, and here in Austin to spool up these uh, two gigafactories. Um, and we've got different supply chains. And so it's always, there's a host of problems. Uh, none of the problems are individually all that difficult, but there's like 10,000 of them. So it's, it, the rate of production is like, how fast can you solve the 10,000 problems, essentially? And we're, we're solving pretty fast, uh, but uh, a lot of work to do. And um, yeah, we might be able to announce another factory location later this year. Wait, uh, wait, 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 where, where should we? Okay, where, sh where should we build it? Okay, we've got a lot, got a lot of Canada's. Uh, <laughs> no, I, I'm, half Ca I'm half Canadian, so maybe I should, you know. Uh, but uh, yeah. Um, well, I think, you know, ultimately we'll, we'll end up building, I don't know, probably at least uh, 10 or 12, uh, 10 or 12 gigafactories. Uh, and there will, there will be really gigafactories, like output, uh, you know, aiming for output, average output of like one and a half to two million units per factory, which is enormous. So, um, and the, our Fremont factory in California is, is uh, already the highest output factory in North America. Well, the math certainly adds up, right? You want 20 million cars per year. You're going to need about 10 to 12 factories, each making a million and a half to two million cars per year that Elon mentioned in order to pull it off. Now, the exception being Fremont, later in the presentation, I, I didn't pull that clip for you, but later he noted that they are maxed out on space in Fremont, and thus the max output in Fremont is likely to be about 700 to 800,000 per year out of the California factory. Now, as far as where the next gigafactories will go, well, they'll go where the demand is, certainly. So it's not a question then of whether or not the United States would get a third car factory, but probably more of a question of whether they would get a, they, we, <laughs> would get a fourth and perhaps even fifth as well. Canada, with all due respect to my Canadian friends, but I think Canada seems likely just based on the population density of Canada, right? Now, unless Tesla can get more favorable tax or other economic incentives by putting a factory north of the US-Canada border and then just shipping cars down to the northeastern United States, the, north, the northern US, etc., than they could by doing the opposite. Now, to me, the South makes sense for another one in the US, maybe Tennessee, maybe Georgia, we know, you know, um, who's, uh, oh, Nissan has a plant in Tennessee, and I believe the Corvette is made in Kentucky. Uh-oh, uh -oh, I didn't research that one ahead of time. Just thinking off the, cup, off the cuff, hopefully any Corvette fans out there aren't gonna roast me if I got that wrong. But I also think the Northeast could make sense for another one as well. Dare I say my home state of New Jersey, home to quite a lot of industry as it is. Uh, and if you don't believe me, look on the back of a lot of your household products, like your toothpaste or your liquid soap. Odds are you're gonna see that it was made in New Jersey, that the, com or the company was based in New Jersey, at least. Anyway, uh, when you look elsewhere outside of the US, you could easily look at perhaps two or even maybe three more factories in China, probably one in the UK, maybe Japan, maybe India as well. And there have been rumblings about India 
for quite some time as well. I mean, I think you could get a list of 10 to 12 total locations pretty quickly, I think. So it's going to be exciting to, to track the announcements and progress of each of those. All right, let's talk Secret Master Plan Part 3. So Master Plan 3 is uh, going to be fundamentally about scaling. Um, just looking at the overall problem from a global macroeconomic standpoint and saying, um, what, what are all the things that are needed to achieve a fully sustainable e economy? Because I think a lot of people don't, don't know. Um, and really, like, w w what tonnage of uh, lithium, of cathode, anode, separator electrolyte, uh, like electronics, what are all the things that are needed, that, what are all the things that need to be done in order to transition to a fully sustainable global economy? Which I think, you know, the sooner we do that, the, the better for the planet. And I think just articulating that and, and just making it clear that this is absolutely doable and it, it, it is being done and we just want it to be done as fast as, as possible. Because I think a lot of times, I mean, I meet a lot of people out there who, ha who have lost hope. You know, they think, they think it's too late, and they think there's, there's no chance, and the Earth is doomed. It's like, it's not doomed. Earth can and will be saved. This is the most detail that we've gotten on Master Plan Part 3 yet. It sounds like it won't really focus much on specific individual products the way that Part 1 did and Part 2 somewhat did. Now, Elon later in the presentation added that he might be able to get it done in about a month or so, if you're curious about when we will finally get to read Master Plan Part 3. So I guess we'll just see how long it ends up taking before we get to read it. Now, I'm a product guy, after all. You all know that. I started doing this podcast, and I continue to love doing it because I love the cars. But I am absolutely a full believer in the company's mission as well. I mean, heck, as I told you last week... I am now jumping in on solar panels, so excited about that. And thus, I am eager to read Elon's thoughts on, on uh, what will be an interesting topic, scaling the EV movement now that we have passed that proverbial tipping point. And by the way, uh, while that clip was playing, I looked up, checked my memory on the Corvette, Bowling Green, Kentucky. So thankfully, my brain did not fail me on that one. All right, let's hear about... Gigacastings and the manufacturing process of the Model Y 2.0. In addition to battery advancements and, and uh, electronics advancements and AI, we've also done a lot to simplify the structure of cars to make it easier to manufacture. And one of the things we've done is uh, create the, the largest castings uh, that have ever been done. Um, and they're very complex castings. And so we're able to take uh, 171 pieces of metal and uh, go from 171 pieces to two. Um, and in the process, make it lighter, uh, stiffer, uh, with better ride handling, better noise vibration harshness, uh, better uh, sealing against uh, water. Uh, so it's really better in every way. And yeah, so. So, and we're going to keep enhancing the, the, the casting. So, 
this is a testament to our materials team and to our, a lot of casting technology. So we're really rethinking the whole way in which a car is made. And it's, uh, yeah, it's a gigantic improvement. Um, we have, at this point, from going from, say, Model S or even Model 3, we're at about 30% of the robots used for Model 3, for a current Model Y. Well, I believe that's nothing that we haven't heard before in that clip, but with one possible exception, and thus the reason I wanted to play that clip. I don't ever remember hearing the 171 number before. The two number with the gigacasting, that's been communicated, but 171 parts pieces versus two. I mean, that is really pretty insane that the gigacastings reduce the complexity of assembling the car by that much. You know, we hear Elon say hardcore engineering uh, a lot with Tesla. And he's, I mean, that's exactly a perfect, perfect example of it. That is pretty cool. All right, next up, the top places that engineers want to work. This is a topic that's come up on the podcast before. Here's Elon speaking to it. You know, it, it, when thinking about the competitiveness of companies, especially if the companies are technology companies, uh, I recommend looking at where the smartest engineers want to work. This is, where, wherever the, the smartest engineers want to work, that's going to be, that, that, that technology company is going to be the one that uh, is likely to succeed. Um, just like if it's a pro sports team, where are the ace players going? Okay, probably that team will win. Um, so we, we put a lot of effort into ensuring that the best engineers in the world want to work at, uh, at Tesla. And, and frankly, sometimes Tesla, Tesla's number one, sometimes SpaceX number one, but um, so this was just like, like last year. Um, but, uh, and, and we do actually, for those curious and maybe want to work at either SpaceX or Tesla, uh, we do allow people to uh, move from one company to the other if they would like. So if you want to spend a better time working on electric vehicles, better time spending working on rockets, you can, that, that's cool, we support that. I think Elon's sports analogy is an apt one there. And when you have the smartest engineers on your team, you can pull off things like the just mentioned gigacastings, that hardcore engineering. By the way, if you're curious for a little bit of context, a little extra detail, the number three organization on that list of places that engineers most want to work, one SpaceX, two Tesla, number three, NASA. So Tesla is right in there with our country's two foremost aerospace outfits, a bunch of rocket scientists and Tesla. That tells you, I mean, that, that's some good context for the kind of engineering and the kind of talent that Tesla is attracting. That, that is pretty good company to be in right there, I would say. Okay, let's talk superchargers up next. Elon acknowledging supercharger version four. Uh, now, some people may occasionally have encountered a supercharger that didn't work, um, but in general, the uptime of our superchargers is extremely good. And we just try to make it super smooth and the, because our superchargers are always connected, like the car is always connected, our feedback loop for uh, fixing a supercharger is very quick. Um, and obviously we, we keep upgrading the supercharger capability. We're now at version three, we'll start rolling out version 
four, I don't know, maybe next year. Um, so they just, the, the supercharges get better and better, and, um, you know, who knows, the, yeah. Uh, actually, I don't want to give away the, uh, <laughs> uh, right, but let's just say that there's, there's, some, there's some cool stuff happening on the supercharging front, so. All right, well, we, we, we're, we're basically doubling our supercharger count every year, so if there isn't a supercharger in some place that you think is important, it probably will be there soon. So as I teased before playing that clip there, Elon not only officially acknowledging Supercharger V4 right there, but confirming a timeline. It should roll out next year. Now, you may recall from recently that my prediction on that was more specifically that version four of supercharging would roll out around the middle of next year, not coincidentally, when the Cybertruck is going into production and starting to get delivered. In fact, I think I also predicted that the very first V4 supercharging station would be at Giga Texas, so we'll have to wait another, oh, less than a year to see if I'm correct about either of those theories. But great to hear from the horse's mouth about V4 supercharging. While we're talking about fun events and fun things, how about AI Day Part 2? AI Day Part 2, I think people will be blown away. Uh, But that's at the end of next month, so we'll leave that. Except there's going to be a lot of cool stuff. So um, (laughs) I'm sort of surprised uh, that, you know, people, or at least like analysts out there are not really understanding the importance of the Optimus robot. Um, my guess is Optimus will be more valuable than the car th- than long-term. Um, and, and in fact, it'll, I think, turn the whole notion of what's an economy on its head. Um, you know, the point at which you have uh, no shortage of labor you know, an economy is GDP per capita. If you do not have a capita constraint, then the economy just is, can, can be arbitrarily huge. We need a hype check on aisle three. Hype check, aisle three. Uh, Elon, he's got to watch out here. Saying things like, I think people will be blown away, it just sets expectations really high. I hope he is not setting people up to be disappointed by whatever gets shown on September 30th. And I'm not trying to be down on it, don't get me wrong, I'm just saying that setting the expectations up like that is a little dangerous. Now, uh, I am as eager as anyone else to see what Tesla shows on AI Day Part Two. And I had the good fortune of getting a literal last minute invite from Tesla to the first one last year, so perhaps I will get lucky again and snag a ticket to this year's edition. Fingers crossed on that, but one way or the other, of course, I will have coverage for you right here on Ride the Lightning. Uh, then the final part of Elon's presentation was about the next decade of Tesla. So take a listen to a quick comment about that. So the next, the next decade, huh, I wonder how many cars we'll have in, in 10 years. Uh, yeah, 10 years ago, we had less than 3,000 cars. Now we've made 3 million, 300 million. <laughs> I'd say 100 million's pretty doable. So, uh, I'd, be surprised if it's, I'd be surprised if it's not over 100 million in 10 years. Um, and then many other products, some of which you've heard about, some of which you have not.
What springs to mind immediately for me after hearing that clip is one, the Tesla home heat pump HVAC system. That is no doubt got to be one of the new products on that long-term roadmap that he's referring to there. Obviously, the Optimus, the Tesla bot, is number one for him, for Elon, on that list. And there will be plenty of cars, too. Don't worry. We've got the Roadster. We've got the Semi. We've got the Cybertruck. We've got the RoboTaxi. Maybe a RoboVan, and no doubt plenty more than that as well. Lots to look forward to. That's why I... I, I, I can do this podcast forever, and I plan to, by the way. I, I have no in, no interest in stopping this podcast anytime soon because it just it gets more fun every year. This company always has some interesting stuff up its sleeve, and I just have a ball talking about it with you guys every week. All right, uh, there are three more clips that I want to play for you. The first two are from the internet-voted Q&A. And then I've got one clip from uh, somebody that asked a question in the room. So the first of the internet upvoted uh, questions was about the Cybertruck and specifically Cybertruck pricing. Take a listen to this. Uh, uh, Cybertruck pricing, uh, it was unveiled in 2019 and the, and, and the reservation was $99. So, you know, things have, a lot has changed since then. Uh, so, so the specs and the pricing will be different. I, you know, hate to sort of give a little bit of bad news, but I, I think there's there's no way to sort of have haven't anticipated quite the inflation that we've seen and the various issues. Um, but what I can say is that the Cybertruck will be one hell of a product, and it's going to be like a damn fine machine. So, yeah. And we're all tracking to be in production um, uh, middle of next year from this factory. So that we're installing, we're, we're going to be installing the production equipment, tooling and all, uh, uh, starting uh, in the next couple of months, we'll begin the, uh, the installation. So aiming to be in volume production middle of next year. Elon continuing to reaffirm that mid-2023 production timing for the Cybertruck, which, by the way, is reassuring to hear. Every time that gets repeated, it's a time that he's not pushing it back further. And then he finally said out loud the thing that we've all known to be true. If you've been listening to this podcast for any amount of time, what he said there will not surprise you. And that is the Cybertruck will be going up in price. I mean, you've heard my rap on this before, but it is likely to be a significant price increase over what was given in November of 2019. Uh, and I think it's going to seem worse than the price increases on the other four Teslas. And the reason for that is because those went up little by <clears throat> little in air quotes, because we've had five and six thousand dollar price increases in one go on the new S and the new X. But the Cybertruck is going to go from 50,000 for the dual motor 300 mile range mid tier model to that, that, you know, when the price was unveiled in November of 2019, or I should say when the truck was unveiled, and that is going to go in one fell swoop to being most likely the base model, and it's probably going to cost, again, in my estimation, sixty-five dollars to $70,000. And then the tri-motor, 
which was the top end version at the reveal of the Cybertruck, we now know that one is probably never getting made along with, I mean, again, in my, my estimation, I don't, I don't think we're ever going to see the single motor version for $40,000 either, or if we do, it's going to be a number of years into production. And instead, we have a top-of-the-line quad motor version, which, as you've heard me say, I, I uh, am guessing it's going to start at $90,000 before any, any options. I did a whole lightning round bonus episode on this. For those of you who support the podcast on Patreon at the ludicrous tier or higher. So if you haven't heard that and you have access to it, uh, you can check that out for a much deeper dive on the topic of Cybertruck options and Cybertruck pricing. And if you would like to back me on Patreon in order to get access to that and all the other bonus lightning round episodes, you can find more information for that on patreon.com slash Tesla podcast. Okay, two more clips for you. As promised, the penultimate clip here is about the fun superchargers and the real estate strategy for superchargers in general. So take a listen to what Elon had to say on that topic. We're deploying superchargers wherever we see the greatest need. Um, now sometimes the greatest need is in some place that is extremely difficult to get permits. Uh, like the, uh, getting a permit in Malibu was nuts. Like, <laughs> it was next level, that took years. Um, and uh, so some places are hard to get permits uh, and some places are easier. Um, but we are aiming to just generally, we, we, we analyze the supercharger usage uh, every day and, and we prioritize our supercharger locations according to where we see the greatest need. Um, with respect, <laughs> what, sorry, where? Well, you know, maybe we should do an online poll for where is it, where should we put superchargers? Yeah. Um, yeah, that's good. Okay, we'll do that. Um, so, I mean, with respect to amenities uh, for, with, with superchargers, I think um, we'll do a couple of just fun, fun things. Like, we're going to do a really fun supercharger location in LA. And the general vision is to have something that's like a futuristic, uh, kind of like diner, sort of like, I don't know, uh, Blade Runner meets Grease meets Jetsons. Yeah. Uh, you know, something cool, different, and, but with some style and, and uh, where, where you can, you know, get, you know, uh, some, some great food. And um, the one in LA, we're, we're planning to have like th these big screens at the supercharger location, and the screens will be aiming to show like the 100 greatest movie clips of all time, and so you can like, you know, have a cheeseburger and a charge your car and watch some cool stuff on the screen. Um, and uh, it'll be open to others who are not, you know, you can come to the restaurant if, even if you don't own a Tesla, but it'll be like a, like a little gem, I think, there in, in, in LA. And, and then depending on how that goes, we'll, you know, we might roll that out to a few other places. We will try to do interesting, fun things that are not necessarily economically sensible, but they're cool. The last time I had talked about the drive-in movie theater slash diner supercharger in Hollywood, back when your friend and mine, Marco RP, the world's foremost supercharger detective, well, he dug up the architectural plans. And so we knew a lot of the basics on that, 
But now, thanks to Elon, we know some details, like what specifically they're going to show on those big movie screens when people are only going to be at this drive-in for 15, maybe 30 minutes at the most at a given time. And I think that showing movie clips of you know great scenes from classic movies, I think that's a really great way to go on that. That'll be fun. And by the way, I'm also very happy to hear that Tesla is considering doing these special superchargers in other places as well, even if, as he notes, they don't necessarily make a lot of financial sense. So, uh, hey, Elon, we want one up here in the San Francisco Bay Area, too. Come on. We got the factory up here. We got a lot of Tesla employees. Let's get a let's get a fun one up here, too. All right. One last clip for you. It is in regards to autonomy and specifically the Tesla network from a question in the room. Here you go. It's interesting to think about an autonomous car because you know, when you drive around, look at, you know, look at how many cars are parked. Like they're just parking lots full of cars everywhere uh, because cars need a driver and so most of the time they're doing nothing. Um, you know, typically a passenger car is gonna be like 12 hours a week or something like that of usage. Um, now, if it's autonomous, maybe it can get to 50 or 60 hours of usage. Then that's sort of you know four or five time, four, four or five fold improvement in the utility of a car. But the interesting thing is that the car still costs the same. So, in that scenario, at least for some period of time, the the effective gross margin on an autonomous car is kind of boggles the mind. Um, so, in, in terms of how the cars will be operated, I mean, I think it would be, you know, just, um, you'd have the option of, of, of owning a car, uh, using a car just occasionally when you need it, like an auto, auto Uber or something like that. Um, and there would be people, and then an owner of a car could decide that they want to use their car, or they want to add or subtract it to the fleet. Um, so I think it would end up being some kind of combination of like Airbnb and Uber or something like that. You know, so sometimes you you know you can go all the way from owning it to renting it sometimes to renting it a lot to completely renting it. Um, but the but the the, the utility of the car will just be mind-blowingly great. And then, like I said, Optimus will, will really bring the future to now. Maybe, maybe you could rent Optimus hourly. Um, I mean, assuming we get all these things, we do all these things, I think probably Tesla will be the most valuable company in the world. Well, this doesn't specifically address my question, which is whether or not we'll be able to own the robo-taxis specifically. I mean, maybe that was implied here, but when I listened to that, the question didn't seem to specifically be pointing to that, but instead the Tesla network as a whole. But hopefully the answer applies to both kinds of Teslas, the ones with manual inputs and the ones without that will be made in the future. I mean, I also have zero doubt that Tesla could certainly end up becoming the most valuable company in the world. I have no, I know it will shock you to learn that a Tesla fanboy doing a weekly Tesla podcast for the last seven years has no doubt about that assertion whatsoever. But honestly, 
I mean, getting a little serious, I think they might even achieve that without Optimus, just with the cars and the energy sides of the business, assuming that they do reach their goal of selling 20 million cars per year, whether or not that goal is achieved within the next decade or it takes a little longer is moot for it's it's not what I'm talking about for this point. I'm just saying if they get to 20 million cars per year at some point in time, I absolutely believe they will be the most valuable company in the world. And maybe even before that, maybe they don't even need to get to the 20 million to reach that peak of the mountaintop. The future, as Elon says, is bright indeed. Well, that is your recap and analysis, your highlights from the annual shareholders meeting at Giga Texas. Stick with me. I'm not quite done with the podcast. Uh, It's already been almost an hour here, so I'm going to hold the Ride the Lightning phone calls until next week's show. But again, I invite you to call in, be a part of the show. You've got a chance to be uh, featured on the podcast if you have a question that you'd like to call in with. To do so, you can call in in one of two easy ways. Either use your smartphone's built-in voice recording software, record your question, please try to keep it to 90 seconds or less so that I can get to as many people each week as possible, and then email that file to me at teslapodcast at gmail.com, or you can take your same 90 second or less question and call in with it and leave a message on the Ride the Lightning hotline itself, That toll-free number you can dial anytime, day or night, is 1-888-989-8752. Again, that's 1-888-989-TSLA. Be right back with your pro tip of the week and a bit more right after this. This is Steve Downs, the voice of Master Chief, Sierra 117. You're listening to Ride the Lightning, the Tesla unofficial podcast. You know, that Cybertruck looks a lot like a warthog, doesn't it? Master Chief, out. As for what's going on with me, just getting back from my family trip, as I mentioned at the top, and I left myself a filthy car, so I'll be taking care of that this weekend. In fact, I was away during my car's four-year Tesla-versary, the four-year anniversary of my delivery date, which I uh, remember back on so fondly. I can't believe it's four years. I'm now out of warranty, so, you know, I'm going <laughs> to, I don't know what, I need to make a, a shrine to, <laughs> to Elon and say, please let there be no problems with my car because I plan to own it for many, many more years. But yeah, it's, uh, it's been a great four years. I just checked my mileage is just over 44,000. So I am averaging pretty much exactly 11,000 miles per year, which is a pretty normal number to to average. I mean, everybody's different. Everybody's got a different use case, specifically as work from home has become more commonplace over the last couple of years. But anyway, I feel good, man. It's uh, my car. It looks great. Knock on wood. It runs great. Knock on wood. Everything's everything is going awesome with it. And uh, I'll also have it paid off in about... mm, Nine months from now, I think. Maybe I've got eight or nine months to go. So looking forward to fully owning my car here in the not-too-distant future. Hey, real quick, an entertainment recommendation for you since I haven't done those in a while. Portal. Portal 1 or Portal 2. Or if you've got a Nintendo Switch, there's a bundle with both of them for a pretty affordable price on the Switch. I just replayed Portal 1 uh, on my, I was lucky enough. To, I got a pre-order forever ago, and it fi- my 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 place in line finally came up 
for the Steam Deck, which is Valve's handheld gaming PC. And I, my first chance to really use it was on this family trip. And I was sitting next to my daughter, of course, on the plane. And uh, she took a very quick liking to Portal, which if you're, if you're not familiar, it's a first-person game. There's no combat. It's all puzzle solving. You have a portal gun where you fire, you shoot an in portal and an out portal, an enter and an exit. And you have to figure out how to get through these rooms and they get progressively more complex and difficult. There's a real awesome sense of humor with the game as well. Uh, it's just got this great style, great tone. And Portal 2 is even better. It's it's much, it's a 10 hour game instead of the f- Portal 1's like two hours. But boy, Portal still, it just has aged tremendously well. So if you've never played it, and it's really on, it's on basically every platform now except mobile, but it's on every, it's on PC, Nintendo Switch with that bundle I mentioned, Xbox, PlayStation, check it out. It is, uh, it is still just such a great, great game, both Portal 1 and Portal 2. Okay, pro tip of the week time. Here's Jason from Temecula, California. Hey, Ryan, this is Jason from Temecula, California, one of the leaders of the Tesla Owners Club of Riverside County. Uh, my pro tip for you and the listeners is if you have the Michelin tires that come with the Teslas, I know they did change, but if you have the Michelin, you can actually get money back to them because I know there's some issues with wear and tear before the uh, warranty comes up for the tires, specifically with Michelin. What you do is you go to any Michelin certified dealer, uh, you have them write a note saying where the wear and tear is and what the mileage is on your car. You call Michelin's customer service, and they will give you a check for the difference or the place that you took the tires. They will give you a discount for those tires. So that's my tip for the week. Thanks for all you do. And again, thank you. Jason, thank you very much for that. That is an excellent tip that I need to start making use of myself since my Model 3 performance uses Michelin's and it's pretty hard on them because of the weight of these electric cars. But, you know, it applies not just on the Model 3 Performance Michelin tires, but the MXM4 tires that many of you with the 18-inch aero wheels have as well. So heed that excellent advice from Jason when it comes time to replace your tires. Hey, if anybody else out there has a pro tip of the week, I would love to hear it, and I'm sure your fellow listeners would too. So you can send that in the same way that you call in to the Ride the Lightning hotline. I gave you the instructions for that just a few minutes ago, so refer back there, and I'll look forward to hearing your pro tips of the week. All right, before I get going, let me mention some friends of the podcast. Let me start with abstractocean.com. They have a discount for those of you making a first-time purchase there, and a whole bunch of of excellent aftermarket Tesla products. That coupon code, by the way, RTL Podcast, is good for 15% off of your first order. That's all one word, RTL Podcast. Go to abstractocean.com, check out their tempered glass screen protectors, fourth gen version on that, antimicrobial coating. It, lo- it uses aluminosilicate glass, the same stuff that Corning uses for Gorilla Glass. It's custom fit. Ships with the installation frame, so it's a nice, easy install on your Model 3 or Model Y, and there's a lifetime guarantee if it's damaged in the line of duty. They've also got a bunch of great lighting accessories and just 
just a ton of stuff. You got to just go there, browse around, see what catches your eye, throw it all in the shopping cart, and then punch in that code RTL podcast at checkout for that 15% discount on your first order. Hey, how about the snap plate? Get yours at everyamp.com slash RTL, the front license plate bracket that I highly recommend over the default one that Tesla gives you. And the reason for that is the Tesla one uh, sticks to your car quite literally with automotive tape, automotive adhesive. So if you ever want to take it off, it's not going to go well. The snap plate does not stick. It is mounted cleanly, simply, but securely. And you can then take it off if you want to, if you're doing some detailing, washing the car, cleaning it up. If you're going to be at a cars and coffee, a car show, if you're going to be at a club event, maybe you want to take it off, but maybe put it back on. If you're going to be parked at a parking meter, uh, going through a toll bridge, toll booth, something like that. Everyamp.com slash RTL, nice, clean, minimalist design. I am a fan of this for those of you that need to have that front license plate on your car. They've got it for all four Teslas. So whichever one you've got, everyamp.com slash RTL has got you covered. Meanwhile, budgetsafesolar.com. That is where I went to get my solar. And I, of course, I'm going to keep you updated every step of the way. Right now, we are just scheduling our site survey for someone to come out and just take a look at the electric panel, as well as the roof itself to make sure we can get as many panels up there as we want to get. So I'm going to keep, uh, keep you in, involved in that every step of the way. But if you are interested in solar for your home or business, check them out, budgetsafesolar.com, the number one way to control your energy costs in the coming 5, 10, 15 years is to go solar. And then the bonus, uh, maybe it's not even the bonus, maybe this is the best part for you. I mean, everybody's kind of got their own their own uh, most appealing thing about solar. You're driving for free on sunshine. You are truly, as you know, Elon's talking about the, on, the, on this uh, shareholder meeting, Elon talking about achieving the company's grand goal and, and the fact that they're actually doing it. Well, solar is such a big part of that. You are driving purely on renewable energy, which is pretty darn cool. Anyway, uh, if you're going to do budgetsafesolar.com, uh, be sure to mention, use the referral code RTL. That's the only thing I humbly ask of you. They operate in all 50 states, Puerto Rico. They're going to they're gonna work with you to get the best system for your home or business, which is, uh, that's been exactly my experience thus far. I told you about that, I guess, what, two two shows ago now? Maybe it was last week. In any case, thank you to BudgetSafeSolar.com. Check them out. Immaculate Reflections, IRDetailing.com is the website there. Jeff McGovern, the owner and proprietor, extraordinarily talented detailer, and an even better, nicer, kinder, more amazing human being. He's just such a great guy, and he does amazing work. So if you're going to be in the San Francisco Bay Area, the greater Bay Area, with your car, why not stop in? Treat yourself, treat your car. Maybe it's paint correction. Maybe it's paint protection film on some or all of the car. Maybe it's ceramic coating. I mean, that's, I think, if you're going to do, I mean, if you're going to do one thing, I actually, I get this question sometimes. And this is, I mean, I don't know what Jeff would say, but this is what I would say. If you're going to do one thing 
for detailing. Like you're, you know, whether it's a budgeted thing or you just you say, I'm going to I'm going to pick one of these things. Personally, I would pick paint protection film because the front of every Tesla, there is no grill. You know, effectively, there's a little air intake, but it's all paint at the front of the cars. And where do all the little rock chips and road debris, where does all that hit? The front of the car. So I would I would choose paint protection film. That would be my first priority if you're going to do any detailing. But honestly, the second one, my second pick would be the ceramic coating because waxing your car or having it waxed like twice a year, that's no fun. Ceramic coating is good for three to five years and water just beads off the car. It's awesome. So uh, anything, anything you want to do, irdetailing.com. And I guarantee you that Jeff will take great care of you and your car. And by the way, mention, if you're going to reach out through the website, mention that you are a listener of Ride the Lightning and Jeff is kindly offering a discount for Ride the Lightning listeners. PureTesla.com slash RTL is your one-stop shop for your dash cam and sentry mode setups because you got to have a sentry mode running on your car because you just, you, you want that camera system running helping to protect you in case, I mean, hopefully you never need it, right? Hopefully nothing ever happens. You don't have any incidents, any accidents, anything like that, but better to have it on video. The car's got the capability built in. Get the right drive for the situation, and that correct drive is puretesla.com slash RTL. Don't forget that slash RTL. It's a 128 gigabyte drive for just $49, and that's shipped free anywhere in the US. Or jump up to the 256 gig kit for $69. They also offer now a slim, like nice low profile wireless game controller package. If that's of interest, if you do a lot of gaming in the car, get it all at puretesla.com slash RTL. And then Jada, my friends at Jada offer the Jada USB hub console for both the newer style Model 3 and Model Y center console and the older style one that I have. It is a storage organizer, USB hub, Apple watch charger, and AirPod charger all in one. It's nice and clean, minimalist product. It looks factory. That's that's why I like it. I've said this before. I'm a big fan of mods that look like they came from the factory. That's I don't know why. I don't have an explanation for why I feel that way, why that's my preference but it is, and Jada does a great job of that. So if you're gonna order any of the Jada products, because by the way, they also have the version four wireless charging pad for those of you like me with older Model 3s that don't have it just built into the car already. So they've, they've got a few products, check them out. Uh, please use my referral link, which is getjada.com slash R-E-F slash eight. I know that's kind of annoying, but in return for you kindly using that link, I'll give you a discount through this coupon code, which is RTL. Finally, my Patreon, I, I touched on it a few minutes ago uh, towards the end of the earnings, uh, excuse me, the end of the shareholder meeting recap there. But Patreon is, that is the, the primary way through which you can voluntarily choose to support my efforts with this podcast. So if you... Enjoy the podcast. You get a lot out of it. You listen every week. If you find it useful, you appreciate what I'm doing, I would be humbled and grateful if you would consider a Patreon pledge. 
The website is patreon.com slash Podcast. And Patreon is spelled P-A-T-R-E-O-N. There is a link to it in the show description every single week, if, in case that's uh, more handy for you. But yeah, Patreon, it's a platform through which you can support your favorite creators in an ongoing way. And in my case, obviously with the podcast, uh, so I have a number of different support tiers set up. Each one has a new perk attached to it and the perks do stack so if you do the five dollar a month pledge that'll get you early access to each week's episode if you do the ten dollar a month pledge that's the ludicrous tier that you hear me talk about a lot because that's the tier where you get the weekly bonus lightning round mini episode where i talk about a different topic each week for a little while And uh, you also, at that tier, you get the lightning round every week and you get the early access to the regular episode. And and it just goes on and stacks up from there. So again, if you would be so kind at some point in time, check out my Patreon page at patreon.com slash Podcast. Most of you uh, get the podcast through a podcast provider. I'm on most of the major podcast services. If you're not already subscribing to the podcast on that podcast service, please do so. It's totally free. It just means if you subscribe, then the show will push out to you every week when there's a new episode. You don't have to think about going to look for it. It'll come to you. So I'm on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, TuneIn, Spotify. I'm on YouTube, just audio only. There's no video, but if you do want to Check me out on YouTube. It's just search Ride the Lightning Tesla and you should find my channel very easily. You can subscribe there. And uh, that's about it. Email me anytime, teslapodcast at gmail.com. I'm on Twitter and Instagram, same handle on both, DMC underscore Ryan. And before I go, let me say hello and thank you to the higher tier Patreon backers who one of their perks is a shout out on each week's episode. I'm going to start with the maximum plaid tier this week and specifically the newest maximum plaid backer. A hello and a thank you goes out to Ken Epstein. Ken, thank you so much for your generous support. Along with the rest of the maximum plaid backers, Jonathan Wales, Cameron Clark, Daniel Grummer, Seth Capello, Nick and Tony, the Galpin family, Ryan from Las Vegas, Darren Nickel, Kaz Barnes, Ulrich Lassa, Brett Libano, Patrick Wisneski, Gil Cabrera, Hay Watley, Eric Brown, Mark Eversole, Todd Badger, Joe Edgel, Kevin Yank, the Tesla Owners Club of San Joaquin Valley, Michael Williams, Will Stedman, Mait Suaru, Derek Nesselrote, Justin Perez, Jeremy Harris, Chris Beach, Tom Mills, Alex Brem, Tyler Smith, Corey O'Donnell, Matthew Graham Droneberger, Scott Gillis, Aaron, John Cody, Andre Kent, Joel Sapp, Kim Bay, Paul Casarino, Richard Corley, Chris Osborne, KB, Matt Asbury, We Drive Tesla EV Luxury Car Rental in Oahu, HaloBengals.com, and Chris Pratt. Thanks to all of you. Thanks as well to the Roadster in Space tier backers. They are Pete White, Lyle Austin, Steve Radspinner, Fernando Cordero, Lawton from Chicago, Sean Neidig, Neil Weaver, Jackson Wallace, Rolf and Jennifer Evers, 
Howard Anthony Smith, Victoria Iacovetto, Tesla Hitchhiker 42, and Carol Weston. I've actually got a couple of one-on-one Zoom hangouts scheduled with a couple of the Roadster and Space Tier backers this weekend because that is their ultimate perk is a one-on-one chat with me each uh, each month should they should they elect to choose it. So thanks to the Roadster and Space Tier backers for their generosity. And finally, the Plaid level supporters. The Plaid tier has been quietly eliminated. Well, I wasn't quiet about it. I did announce it, but uh, it is gone. But the Plaid level supporters have been grandfathered in. I, I want to give them their shout out each and every week. So thank you very much to George Cassiopo, David Brander, Logan Willis, Jason Chalukas, Tim Hyde, Peter Chalet, Eric Randolph, Dorian Steve Guberman, Jeremy, the Tesla owners of Taiwan, Ron Lee, Charlie Gillespie, David Perella, Dennis Peak, Jeff Angwin, Chase Cabanillas, the Lydia family, Aaron Altshul, Jared Brown, Jerome Strack, Jamie Dalton, the Tesla owners East Bay Club, Mike and Barbara from Louisville, David J. Howes, Travis Krenzel, Matt Nixon, the Tesla owners Club of Wisconsin, Jonathan Zelezny, Ish, not Elon Musk, T. Kirk Lowry, Peter, and the Bear Boys of Colorado. All right, that brings me to the end of Ride the Lightning episode 366. I hope you all have a wonderful week. Happy electric motoring. And for a snoozing and snoring Daisy the Boxer, I'm Ryan McCaffrey. I will see you next week. I mean, I think a Tesla is the most fun thing you could possibly buy ever. That's what it's meant to be. Our goal is to make... It's, it's not exactly a car. It's actually a thing to maximize enjoyment. It's maximum fun.